0: another episode of the Education Movement Podcast. Today I will be joined by one of my teacher mentors, Felicia Akwama. But first, let's look at the words of wisdom coming from Lawrence Lovasik. In his work he says, quote, nobody needs a smile so much as the ones who have none left to give. So get used to heartwarming smiles and you will spread sunshine in a sometimes dreary world. End quote. Speaking of smiles, Miss Felicia Okwama and I had the pleasure of talking about her journey as a teacher, how to best support students during this quarantine, and how some of these practices can be carried on and implemented in the days after the pandemic. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I enjoyed making it. See you on the other side. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Today, I feel blessed as we are joined by a beautiful human being who happens to be one of my teacher mentors. Her name is Felicia Aquama. She is a middle school teacher who has been in the classroom for 16 years. She holds a master's degree in cross-cultural teaching, and she recently won Teacher of the Year for her school, her school district, and for the whole county of Los Angeles. Felicia is a lover of all humanity, and she wants to ensure that every child she encounters never experiences hurt, shame, or invisibility. I couldn't be happier, Felicia. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, thank you so much. I mean, I, I, you and I have been, uh, we've been talking before we started recording, and it seems like every time I talk to you, my, my day just lightens up, you know?
1: Ah, so sweet.
0: (laughs) So before we jump in today's conversation, um, I'd like the audience to know a little more about your beautiful self. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are?
1: Um, Southern girl. I'm from Georgia, small town called Moultrie, Georgia. I haven't made it famous yet, but hey, every day I'm striving. I am the daughter of Robert and Esther Daniels. My parents are very, very important to me and extremely motivational seeing that I'm an educator and I'm successful in it and they had to forfeit education. My dad has like a second grade education, first grade, second grade. And my mom actually finished high school after I graduated from high school. When I was graduate, actually college, when I graduated from college, she went back so that she can get her GED. And so, you know, to come from parents who were so hardworking to give me so much, I felt like um, I owed it to them and everyone who was before me to just try to do well in school. Um, I moved to Los Angeles. Well, it was in 2002. Yeah, so 18 years ago, it'll be in November had nothing to lose, (laughs) packed up all my stuff, and uh, sold it, sold the rest of it, and um, moved to California, so I'm here, didn't plan on being a teacher, but here I am. (laughs) Hmm.
0: Didn't plan on being a teacher, so when you moved to LA, were you looking to go into entertainment?
1: Yo, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what people come down here for.
1: Absolutely. Some type of entertainment, singing, acting, um, and really, you know, just to be honest, to, to find myself, I was in a bad space, headspace mentally, and I felt like I needed to leave the place that was um, causing me so much distress and harm physically, emotionally, socially. And so it was definitely a, um, a move that was impulsive. But it was the best thing that i could have ever done and as a kid i always dreamed that i would live in california i just didn't know why or how and so a little bit of pain always pushes you to the place where you need to be anyway at least that's the case for me and in my case that pain pushed me all the way to la and so i'm grateful
0: (laughs) yeah it pushed you all the way to the other side of the country wow (laughs) So <clears throat> I can relate a lot to that story. I don't know. I don't think I've ever told you this, but I, I moved to New Orleans for a very similar reason. I like, was also kind of in a bit of a mess financially and uh, personally. So I, I, when I got an opportunity to go out there and teach, I was like, you know what, let's do it. And oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm out here teaching in Chalmette. So, um, okay, great. So you moved out to Los Angeles, you know, as how old were you, like 19, 20? 18?
1: Absolutely not. I wish. <laughs> I'm 44 now. I think I was 28.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: 27 and
0: looking looking to possibly go into the world of entertainment. So then what actually got you into teaching?
1: There was I was singing and I was singing for a church and working for a church and everywhere I go kids automatically just swarm like literally. I don't even I can't even explain it. And they're, they're, they actually tell their parents that I'm their friend. This is, and they introduce me like, this is my friend, Miss Felicia. I'm like, hi, how are you? I don't know if we should go on play dates or what, but there was a um, person that who did sign language and she knew that I was this church secretary, but I also sang there on Sundays and she always saw kids around me. And she said, you know, you really should be a teacher. And I was like, no, I was like, I'm good. She's like, well, you should at least sub, you know, that's really good money, you know, to get you on your feet. Because I talked to her about like working for the church was not a lot of money and that I really wanted to, um, to to make more money and move out on my own. I was staying with my my pastor. He was my pastor in Georgia and he, he moved here. And so him and his wife were like, oh, if you want to come to Cali, you know, come back. And so I was staying with them and she did sign language, and she worked for Paramount Unified School District. Isn't that crazy? I'm back there now. Wow. She worked for Paramount Unified School, and I saw her like uh, maybe like seven months ago for the first time in like 10 years. And so she said, you should apply. I work in um, human resources. Come by, and I'll make sure that you get an application, and a good way to get your foot in the door is to just start volunteering at one of the schools. So I turned in my application, and I started in my spare time, volunteering and so i became a substitute well i ended up at paramount park school um to sub for my friend charmaine who was also um friends with the person from my church and she got a a permanent kind of permanent gig on the parkers and so a really old tv show on wb and she um she said hey do you want to take over my classroom for the last three months of school and i was like i could use that cash you know like yeah heck yeah, I don't mind. And she's like, you know, the plans are easy and you know, all you're doing is social studies. And I was like, oh, legit, I like social studies. And so I went to sub for her and what happened was that I didn't realize that I had one of the most rowdy classes in the school because when I met them, it was automatic chemistry and I was automatically, kind of like I am to a default everywhere I go, just myself and so my country self. So my introduction to them was like, hey, listen, I'm just a sub right now. I'm trying to get a check. I'm trying to teach you this stuff that's in this book because it's real good stuff. All I need for you to do is cooperate for 53 minutes a day. Are we straight? They was like, all right, I guess we're straight. And so I didn't have any issues. And so Mr. Longworth, who is, again, my principal, he moved away too and came back. And so- it's crazy huh so (laughs) this story's long he goes he comes in to check on me and when he checks on me the kids were sitting down they were reading and I was he's like you know you know thumbs up you guys like I'm good I'm cool he's like come by my office and so he actually told me um he said hey do you want to be a teacher and I was like no I'm good and he was like no you should really go back to school to be a teacher I was like no really I'm good like I don't want to be a teacher He's like, really natural at it. And I was like, yeah, I'm straight. He's like, do you want to stay for the rest of the year? I was like, oh, that'll be dope if I could stay the rest of the year. And so I stayed the rest of the year. At the end of the year, he asked me the question again. And he told me um, one of the greatest gifts that, I, man, I owe him so much. He said, if you want to go back to school, you can come back next year and in a classroom and I'll incubate you until you get your master's and your credential. So I'll keep you here. And I was like, the word? And he was like, yeah. And so that's what he did. And I, I went back to school and I was there through getting my whole master's and everything. And I only left that school because the year that after he left, there was a new principal there and they were doing layoffs. They were doing pink slips. I was the youngest teacher and I wasn't tenured yet. And so that's the only reason I left that school. I cried so hard. I didn't want to leave there. It was home to me. Um, But it was like everything else. Like I said, pain pushes you in a direction that you're supposed to be. Uh, The pain of leaving there pushed me into Moreno Valley, where I was pink slip again, the year that I was supposed to be tenured pain pushed me back here into the charter system, which was one of the best pushes ever, because being in the charter world, which is where I met you, well, the first charter school was, I was a founding teacher there. It hadn't even started yet, so the curriculum, everything, Teach Academy of Technologies. Um, I was a founding teacher there, and then Cisneros was, um, I was pushed out of there painfully. Uh, I left, the first job I ever quit, and I ended up with Shannon at Sandra Cisneros Learning Academy, which was the best move ever. Legit training day for anybody who wants to be a great
0: educator. That's where you and I met. And I remember, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just said that the school had a bunch of rock star teachers, but there was definitely something really special about your classroom. The nature of students, you know, whenever they're in, in a classroom and their teacher either isn't ready or they step out of the classroom for a second is to mess around that's the you know that's I I would do that as you know a 13 14 year old maybe even younger but there was (laughs) something about them being in your room whether you were ready or not whether you were there or not that they just knew that there was this incredible expectation that when they walked in if you were typing something on your computer you were finishing an email that they would just come in sit down and wait, I had <laughs> never seen that ever anywhere else. So after that, I was like, I need to pay attention to what she's doing.
1: <laughs> They're very kind to me. I love the kids, but they also know too I'm slightly crazy. But um, no, I'm just playing. Well, not really. Sort of kind of. <laughs> but you know, you know, I have one word that I tell everybody, um, relationship. Period, and um, and I put that in everything. That's not just in my classroom. Like even even still knowing you, there's so many people who people meet in passing, and they think that oh that that's just it, hello or hi or whatever they can get from them. But I believe that any connection that I'm allowed to make, it's possible to have it for a lifetime, and I think it's so important to um, nurture any relationships that you have that are positive or that seem meaningful, even the slightest bit. So that's why even random times I would text you like, Hey, how you doing? Because you were put in my life for a reason. And so kids are the same way. When they come into your classroom, they're looking for someone to connect with. And I, you know, just to be honest, and I, the expectations that I put forth were definitely after a discussion with them, how our classroom should look. Why it should look that way? Sound how you should feel when you're in there. And one of the biggest words that kids use, but they don't really know the meaning of it until you explain it to them, is respect. And they want it. They don't get it anywhere else. In their house, they're a kid, you know, for the most part. Um, to other kids, they're just a kid. Uh, to the world, they're too small to make decisions. And when they get in trouble, no one's really forgiving, or you know, they won't. They don't want to. Um, For me if it's you apologize if we're over it it's never mentioned again and that's a rule with me and so they're just looking for someone to give them respect and in that same manner that's what they give back and so i i honestly i honestly think that that's what it is getting to know them understanding the the power of the word respect and definition of it and just knowing where they come from you be nicer to people who understood your heartaches and your goals and your aspirations. That's all I do. If you wanna be a garbage man, hey, Mr. Cuomo's like, hey, you gonna be the best garbage man ever. You pick that trash up with excellence and you say hi to those customers and when you drive that truck, you drive carefully and with excellence.
0: Whatever you wanna do, man, I'm here for it. So is is this expectation of respect something that you do very early on, like in the very, very beginning or is this something you're constantly doing or you do throughout the year?
1: day one day one um i know most people do a really long introduction about who they are where they come from their um education what the rules are in the classroom not expectations what the rules are and and how you got to handle yourself you know what my very first conversation is hey i'm mr it's nice to meet you let's play a name game and we play a name game so that i try to learn their names and then i tell them my goal for the week is at the end of the week I'll be able to say all of your names on site. That's my goal. That very first thing, acknowledging the importance of them having a name, it sets such a, such a temperature for like where you're going to go. And really does. And so that's the very first thing that I do. And then I put them in a circle. I think you've been in, in my classroom with circles. Oh, yeah. So that everything is equal on day one. Let's talk about this classroom. Let's talk about what you want or what you expect. Even talking about uh, most kids, you know, what have you heard about me? They've heard about you. They've talked about you before they've had you as a teacher. You're mean or you're very tall or you, all kinds of stuff they've heard. Let's have a conversation day one. And nothing is off limits as far as, um, School and even they're allowed to ask personal questions, and I ask them personal questions. You can, you can ask, you can ask, you can ask two if I can ask one. So however personal you get, I'm allowed to get as personal. And they're like, oh, oh, that's (laughs) good. And so you know that very first day is just a conversation, and all that other stuff. I type it up and I hand it to them. I say, hey, your homework is to read this. These are things you'll need for the class. This is what the class is about. And these are things for your parents to read. Can you do me a favor and read this with them? By the time they leave at the end of class, like, oh, that's, that's fine. That's straight. That's a cool homework assignment. Because we've already done what? Had a conversation. Mm. I didn't stand before you. I sat with you.
0: Wow. That is a very different approach than, I'd say, like your traditional introduction. Certainly different than mine.
1: I had to learn. (laughs) Every year is different. Some kids don't, some kids can't handle a circle. Sometimes it's, Hey, sit down. If I know them, if I know of them before I've had them, like, ah, this is going to be an issue. You come sit next to me. Sometimes it's outside playing a game. I've done that with one of my, my fourth period that I have right now. Um, Outside playing a game is mostly boys too. I think uh, you were you were there when Shannon did a professional development on knowing the demographics of your classroom and how to teach them. There's a certain way to teach boys that, as a woman, I had no idea. He enlightened me so much, Shannon. Man, that whole professional uh, series of professional developments he did on teaching boys was a lifesaver.
0: So right now you can't. We can't have the same social interactions that we used to have in the classroom right because of the pandemic so how has has this changed your approach at all having to teach online or doing distant learning
1: your real real talk like it makes me a little emotional <laughs> um I miss them so much I oh, the the last week of school having to do the corona kick instead of um my kids um when they come to my room there's a little heart a green heart that's taped to the glass window and so the kids line up next to that window and when they come into my class they get to choose whether or not they want a hug or a fist bump and then they get to choose what kind of hug they want if they need a full hug they give a thumb they hit the heart and they give a thumbs up if they want a half hug they hit the heart and they give me a thumb to the sideways um, and if they want um a fist bump we just naturally fist bump and so um even with that contact, having to stop the last week of school before we we left, I had to introduce the the corona kick, and they were like, "Miss, I'm not sick. Like, what if I really need a hug today?" And I said, "I know. I said I always really need a hug, but I'm sorry I can't give hugs this week." And so, um, we we you know the kid and play kick that you do, we call yeah. it the corona we call it the corona kick, and so. We, you know, more kids press the heart for Corona kick than even an elbow bump. So we went from the Corona kick, from that to Corona kick and elbow bumps. And they didn't want them. They wanted to do the Corona kick. That's as close they can get to a hug. And so even that changed before we left. I'm blessed to be in a district that uh, started rolling out the one-to-one computers like three years ago. And so this was our last year for, so the last group of kids got, our sixth graders got issued a laptop at the beginning of the school year. So our ELA is done on computers and our social studies for a lot of the kids is done on computers. And the math teachers use math games and math homework on the computers. And so we're, I was very fortunate to be at a school where technology was number one, not an issue. Uh, the kids learning through technology was not an issue. They could navigate almost anything on there. And um, I think the biggest transition was for teachers who just had not embraced technology, but it's our job to do so. And so that was, I think the biggest transition for us, but it's definitely um, curbed the thing that I'm there for as a middle school life coach, which is just staying connected, talking and keeping them calm and um, common anxieties of home and at school. So for me, weekly zooms help and i set up a google voice maybe like a google voice number maybe like ooh, maybe like seven eight years ago seven six seven years ago it's been a minute i did it at um at CLA, and so i have contact with my parents that way so being able to send a text message or call them from that google voice number and so i've set up all kinds of things that um we could we could so that we could keep in touch so zoom google classroom and even our a platform that we have for our school schoology you can click conference if you're in class and it'll conference all the kids in it'll call all the kids in my most recent thing was i did a youtube video because i was really missing them and most of them who text me on my google voice say miss i just miss your face or miss i'm i'm or parents i got a text message from a parent that said hey You know, I I catch her crying a lot and she has anxiety and she really misses school and um, she misses you. Do you mind calling And I was like, absolutely not. So even parents texting me so that I can do a personal Zoom with them. and, And I did the Zoom with her and her daughter. It was really sweet. And so to kind of relieve some of that anxiety. So I was grateful to have built those connections and created those families while we were in school. And again, favor and fortune that this would happen after the fact. So Google Voice, Zoom, Google Classrooms, and my new YouTube channel, which is, it only has one video on there now, but I took that link and I texted to all of my parents saying, hey, can you share this with, and I put the kid's name in there. And so the parents got to watch it with them. And they were like, that was amazing. Thank you so much. And so yeah, just a personal message to them.
0: So the pandemic obviously has affected you But you found a way, you found a way to work around it. And obviously it's never, it's not, there's no way we can make it the same as that, you know, physical, same room interaction, but Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're finding ways to, to still make it happen and, and continue having those relationships with your students.
1: Definitely. And um, it's gonna, I'm sure I'm gonna get, have to get a lot more creative as the, as the time away from them progresses, but I'm on Twitter with a bunch of educators who are doing some amazing things to keep ideas going. And you know, one of the greatest things is being able to break away from content, Henry, and say, hey, today, join me for an art class. I'm gonna show you how to do something in art on Zoom. These are the things you'll need. And so that'll get them on, and towards the end of the art lesson, I can ask them about the things that we're reading or the things that they're reading in their language arts class, because that's what I do, I help with, the other other classes as well so if i can sneak in like hey did you guys finish that while we're doing the art project did you guys finish that essay that was due for um for miss fernandez and then they'll be doing their stuff and they're like i didn't yet but oh my goodness and they'll, they'll i'll get to talk like hey you know why don't you zoom with me later or send it to me so i can take a look at it they're like okay i'll send it to you and then i'll send their parents a reminder like hey such and such didn't finish this essay so Even in breaking away from the content or the things you have to do, it's easier for them to talk about what they're experiencing in those other classes. What did you make on that last math test? I saw you had a math test. How was it? They're coloring or they're painting and they're like, oh my God, like I failed it, miss. Why did you fail it? I didn't know how to do exponents. Did you talk to your teacher? You know they tutor on this day. So being creative like that too, give them a reason to get on. And when you give them a reason to get on, then that's your opportunity to talk about or to ease in some of the things that are necessary.
0: Would you say that that also would give someone who is a content teacher an opportunity to to also say, talk about what's going on out at home right like I'm I'm. as you're saying that I'm also thinking that that's a great opportunity to talk about you know like how, how they're experiencing the pandemic right I wouldn't always just talk about academics in our zoom meetings
1: you know the the type of teacher that I am I told you like I'm just a life coach so I'm well not just a life coach it's an it's an amazing job which is um, I help with all of the content areas I don't necessarily teach language arts or science or social studies I help them organize and um, make sure that they stay on point in, in those classes as well. So for me, for me, the first thing that they do when we Zoom is, Miss, I've been fighting with my mom again. She's driving me insane. So they automatically give me the personal stuff. So I'm the opposite. I have to sneak in the academics. And um, <laughs> I have to sneak in the I know way too much about their household sometimes. And so I have to sneak in the academics. And so that's the beauty uh, of me. And so I sneak in the academics by doing those things. A teacher who teaches ELA or science, they can do it the same way. Turn something into an art project or something that that they're interested in. At first, none of of my kids were logging on. And my coach, one of my coaches, she said, get them to do something easy, like um, submit a knock-knock joke and then respond to that. It worked wonders. So one of the assignments was, in this class discussion today, please enter a knock-knock joke, and I'll rate you on how funny it is. Almost all of my kids were filtering in, and so it was great. So even talking to your academic coaches sometimes is just amazing. Like I said, surrounding yourself with great educators who are doing things, who you might not necessarily admire them, but you have respect for what they do, and, and that's my number one. I don't have to like you but i actually i absolutely adore all of my coaches and administrators so i'm cool but definitely respect a person's greatness in an area so that you can glean from it and that's so important don't burn bridges because of your personal hang-up you're there to do a job and your job number one is kids not your feelings
0: great words of wisdom and i love it um so, if you could say, give one piece of advice to educators around the country, what, what would it be?
1: Hmm. Now is the time to be less self concealing and be more self revealing so that you can build genuine, authentic relationships with um, little people. They're not just kids little people who need you more than they need the subject that you're trying to teach. And if you're trying to teach them something, try reaching them through something first.
0: Period. Woo. Drop the mic on that. (laughs) 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 I love it. I love it. So, okay. Here's the last question I have for you, Felicia. Um, what do you think next year is going to look like? Because we're, we're experiencing something we've never experienced before. And a lot of families, this is really around the globe, are being affected by it. So you and I have talked before about how this might shape what education looks like in the future. So what do you, what do you think next year is going to look like? And what, what should we, as educators, be getting ready for?
1: Honestly, and I, I know you didn't ask about my feelings, but I, my, my heart leads me. and um, honestly i'm i'm kind of uh, i was experiencing anxiety with the thought of next year and then heartbreak and then to me like i said pain pushes me in a place where i need to be um motivated i anticipate that we're going to experience a lot of trauma in our classrooms because number one most of these kids their trauma they come into our classroom with trauma And this lockdown is forcing them, a lot of them, to live in the places with the people and around the environment that caused the trauma and is repeatedly giving them triggers that are making, digging that hole deeper into that trauma. And the the harshest part about it is most kids who I work with, they don't even know that they're experiencing trauma. And when you finally get that kid to have that aha moment, like, I do this because of that. When you finally get them to it's such a ah, such a rewarding feeling. But right now they're in that place and they're totally digging holes deeper and deeper, not even understanding what they're going to bring back to us. So I definitely think we're going to deal with a lot of trauma. We're going to deal with uh, a lot of teachers who may perhaps experience burnout a little quicker next year, because we're not on our regular schedule either. We're not on a reg- regular schedule, just like they're not. I think we're going to deal with a lot of frustration from, um, from uh, kids trying to cope with being back on a schedule, and uh, panic from teachers who feel like they have to catch up. So we're going to deal with um, trying to keep teachers calm enough to know that pacing is going to be something that has to be very flexible i think we're going to deal with school districts who are um trying to deal with it the best way that they can but i'm fortunate in my district where i think they see humans first they see us first but i can't say that for a lot of districts that uh i hear people talk about across the country where even right now they feel like they're not being heard or understood with what they have to deal with as well in this pandemic. And so it's a lot. I It's a lot. I'm actually getting a master's degree in psychology during this break because I think that more so than understanding content and being an educator, I'm going to have to understand their minds, their hearts, their psyche, yeah. and how to properly deal with trauma. On all, It's going to be all around us. Adults, teachers, principals, kids is going to be all around us, man. And so I'm I'm hopeful, though, because God always puts me in a place and he always positions me so that things are just where they need to be. So I'm thinking that this season right now is a time for us to reevaluate ourselves, reflect, get some things in order in our own lives so that we can breathe and also so that we can train for, for the journey. It's not a race, the journey that we're going to be placed back in is man when we get back. So, yeah.
0: Is there anything else you'd want your listeners to know about you and your practices?
1: You know how we have essential workers right now for the pandemic? Yeah. I think that the position that I've been blessed to to start and to be a part of is gonna be something that lots of schools are gonna need a life coach for, um, for middle school, especially. And um, I definitely hope that that becomes a, a thing for a lot of schools. We see a lot of positive results from it with our district and well, with my school first, and then now, Um, It's been added to three more schools in our district in different ways, of course, but uh, we see some of the best results, uh, almost the deletion of suspensions, definitely the numbers lowered with suspensions and office referrals. And so, yeah, I, I hope that it becomes a thing to add a life coach or a dean, not a disciplinarian, a dean who practices restorative justice, restorative practices with um, their little people. And I keep saying little people because some people only see students or they only see kids. No, they're people who have only been on earth seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years compared to your 23, 44, 64 years of experience. And so if everyone takes a restorative justice or restorative uh, journey towards it, or um, route towards it. I think everybody will be a little bit more compassionate. Empathy, definitely empathy. Yeah,
0: great, great. And this life coach position is not the same thing as a counselor, right? It's not. Definitely not. Yeah.
1: Definitely not. Counselors are my are my counterparts. Um, there are some things legally I'm not allowed to um, to deal with. And I work with a psychologist that's at our school. And so even diagnosis, I can't tell a parent like, oh, I think your kid is exhibiting things that are maybe bipolar because those are some things that come up in um, the class and it's dead on. I can't tell them that, but I can tell the the psychiatrist or the psychologist at our school who comes to our school like certain times of the week. And um, the counselors can handle uh, because I have, anywhere from 14 to 28 kids per class. Sometimes I can't break out, but what I can do is if a kid has an issue, I can call the counselor and be like, or I can text the counselor from my cell phone and be like, hey, such and such is experiencing a meltdown right now about X, Y, and Z. So I can hit them with the with the stats or the, the data that they need. They come in, they grab them, and you know, they can handle it from there. So absolutely not. A life coach is just that, a life coach. The kids have a goal to stay in school without being in trouble and to excel. And so some of the kids are not kids who uh, necessarily get in trouble, but I've had a few kids who have been selective mute for years. And in my class, they talk for the first time. Wow. Building relationships with them and helping them cope with being in school. Let me help you stay organized. You're having problems because you're not organized. You're failing because you're not. So pinpointing where the issue is and trying to help give them strategies to deal with it, not tell them what to do, not tell them how to do it or how to feel or what they should be doing or what they should be feeling. So listen to how they feel and what they think they should do, and then kind of guide them with strategies and tools to help them be successful in school. That's it, along with my counterpart. I would be nothing near successful without um, Wendy and Abby and Ms. has at my school, who are our counselors, or our psychologist Gabriel. I, I wouldn't, I would be nothing with, without them because they definitely know more than I do, but I have the time and the space to create uh, relationships and connections to find out where the issue is.
0: So we're gonna wrap up the show by asking you some rapid fire questions so all I want you to do is hear the question out and whatever pops into your head let it come out righty. I love it all right question number one who's your favorite author
1: oh Don Miguel Ruiz
0: I love that if you weren't a teacher what would you be doing
1: a uh, singer
0: would you rather dance or sing
1: Ha <laughs> sing man
0: are you more of a Spotify or Apple Music person?
1: Apple Music. You gotta be in control.
0: Who are you listening to these days, speaking of music?
1: Uh, um, Gregory Porter, PJ Morton. And
0: I don't know who e. that R. is. Is uh, uh, that R&B or what, what is that?
1: Um, Gregory Porter is jazz, I guess you can say. He's in that category with Robert Glasper.
0: Oh okay.
1: man, can't get enough of him. Um, P.J. Morton is R&B, but he has so much soul. And um, yeah, any worship music too, like to get my morning started. My favorite of all time, I'll never ever stop listening to him, is Stevie Wonder.
0: Mm. great one. What year of teaching made you feel the most successful?
1: <sighs> um, my very first year at SCLA. Mm. Very good year at I cried the most, had the most difficulties, I had the most personal issues, but I definitely survived to the end of the year and had a great relationship with my administrators.
0: Mm. What's something people tell you that you're good at besides teaching?
1: Hugging. I give amazing hugs.
0: What's an item someone can always find in your house?
1: Um highlighters. Oddly enough. No you read thing. a lot? I do. I do. Yeah. Highlighters and candles. Always candles.
0: Okay. Who's someone you look up to?
1: Um, I look up to my, my dad. I'll just, I'll just, I'll give that one. My dad. He's never, um, do you want to know why or? Up to you. I look up to my dad because for someone who um, didn't get a lot of breaks in life, he's the strongest person I know. Um, And for someone who didn't show me a lot of physical love or verbal love, he thought everything was in finances. He just taught me a lot about just being a hardworking human, a hardworking human.
0: Nice. What's your favorite holiday? Christmas. And lastly, what did the announcer name his son?
1: What did the announcer name his son?
0: Yep, this one's more of a joke.
1: Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know. Mike. <laughs> That's great, I'm gonna use that in my class.
0: <laughs> Thanks, thank you, thank you. So. Felicia, thank you so much for joining me today. I enjoy every single one of our conversations and every single minute of it.
1: Henry, you're absolutely a pleasure to be around and to be with I'm so proud of you, like seriously, so proud of you. Thanks. I know you're gonna go and do so many great, wonderful things for, not just education, just for the world. You're an amazing oh, human
0: being. Thank you. Whoa, it means a lot. It really does mean a lot coming from you. <laughs> Well, Felicia, I hope you take care. You stay healthy and uh, I'm 100% sure that you and I will be in touch.
1: Definitely take care of yourself. Man.
0: All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode. If you want to contact or know more about Felicia and the work that she does, you can find her on Facebook and Instagram at Positively Felicia Nicole and on Twitter at FeliciaNicole8. You can also contact me through email at TheEducationMovement20 at gmail.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at EDUMovement20. I'm happy to hear your feedback on how to make this show better. Until next time, friends, please remember to stay safe, Stay healthy, spread love, and spread hope.